Staying top of mind is how you generate leads. It's how you increase profits. It's how you get referrals. And so we're going to talk to the author of Top of Mind, John Hall. Check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is John Hall. He is the CEO and co-founder of Influence and & Company and the author of a book we're going to talk about today called Top of Mind. Use content to unleash your influence and engage those who matter to you. So John, thanks for joining me. It's great to be here. So are you in Kansas City today or are you in Columbia? I am in our Columbia office today, so we're we're in between Columbia, St. Louis, and Kansas City, where our offices are. But as crazy as it is, I'm typically in San Francisco, L.A., New York, or on a plane. So it's just great to be home where my wife and kids are. Well, I I do so few interviews with Kansas City uh, folks. That it's, <laughs> it's always kind of fun to. I, I actually did an interview with a business owner that um, is across the street from me, and I was actually looking at his business. So that was that was my closest one. So uh, man, I wish I yeah, I wish I should have when it came to KC. We could have done this in person, but maybe next time. <laughs> so we're going to talk about content, and I know people are sick of hearing about it. I know that I'm verging on being sick of talking about it in the way that we have uh, been talking about it. I think for many years, and we're going to talk about how that's changed. But let's define it. Uh, when somebody asks you, because you're talking about content, you know, for influence for all the reasons. When somebody asks you, what is content? Do you have a good answer? Well, yeah, everything's content. I mean, when you're communicating verbally, it's content. I mean, like it, it, when my wife tells me, why didn't you take the trash out? That is content. Um, what's coming out of her mouth are words and communication. And so like for me, like we live in a world of content in everyday life. And that's where some people look at like they thought this book was going to be about like uh, only like content marketing when yeah, it's not. It, it's about how you engage people and how you communicate so that people naturally, so you stick in their mind naturally, and um, at the right moment, they think of you. Now, for um, scale, content marketing and, and you know having content platforms is, is huge um, and a big part of that. But at the same time is that there's also a lot of very important relationships where you communicate one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting where it's very important to come across engaging and to care about the audience that you're speaking to. And so when I look at you know content, what that means is it's, it's how you interact with others and, and the words, the communication that you're using to basically communicate with them and to create a de desired result. So sometimes that's just me having one-on-one -on -one where I'm just enjoying a friendly conversation where it's about amusement. Uh, other times there's an agenda where you're trying to uh, affect a behavioral change that can benefit your company. And so for me, this book, part of it, I would say the beginning part talks about how everyday life, we can make these slight changes to become more engaging. Um, and then it, it, it grows into as you try and scale things and, and grow larger platforms, this is you know what content means in that case. So uh, it's, I, I start very broad in the definition, but then it just depends how you're using content on how like you know the definition of uh, you know communication one on one compared to uh, a content marketing full scale plan for a, a business. Yeah, I, I have actually you know there, it was kind of trendy to talk about content is king, and I you know I've really been uh, for the last couple of years saying no, it's it's air. <laughs> I mean it, you really can't uh, you can't 
participate in any step in the customer journey without content. But I think, unfortunately, what that's produced is a lot of polluted air. So sure. where when I talk to people about content, I mean, where to me, the, the, the other C that we need to be adding is context. Yeah, I mean, like one, I mean, I, I mean, content is king has been thrown around there for the last, I mean, for years and years. And uh, I I never actually loved that at all. I mean, I think that it was actually king for a short period of time. But anytime, like if you go back and study trends in even like media communications from 80s and 90s or early when, with TV, um, content was king at a certain point. But then they were spending, I think it's like, let's say five you know, dollars for every one dollar of distribution. Um, so they were spending five dollars on creation, one dollar distribution. Then that changed to one dollar on creation and five dollars on distribution. I think that we're in the same um, that we're in the same boat back from back then where now we're looking at, OK, well, there's a lot of content. There's a lot of pollution. Uh, however, you you have to maintain a level of quality. So just because. You, there's a lot out there. It doesn't mean you don't maintain a level of quality, so you need to maintain that. But then the focus needs to be on distribution after you maintain that and consistency. So, for example, one of the one of the things that I, I just did this in a keynote. I said, you know, who here has been to South by Southwest? And they're like, well, you know, me, like there was like five that raised their hand. And I said, okay, is that a just a mess? And they're like, absolutely, it's a mess. I'm like, so you would describe it as, let's say in your own terms, John, a pollution. You would describe it as a, a mess and noisy. Yes. So when I go to South by Southwest, I specifically go there to target a specific group and I'm at specific events and I'm communicating with specific people and I get a lot of value out of it. Out of the 100,000 people there, I meet the 20 that I need to. So that is a, a distribution effect. So um, I think that you're, you're right. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of pollution. However, that, that doesn't mean you you get distracted or you you know drop quality or you give up. It simply is that you maintain the level of quality and you go and find better ways to distribute that content to the right people at the right time and the right moment. Yeah, and, and which to me is the definition of context, of course. Yep. Um, yeah. Because another thing that you state – uh, and we can debate this all day of what the actual statistics are, but I think we can all agree. 60 to 95% of people today go out there and they start looking for a company and doing research and finding you know, content and basically making a decision about who they're going to hire or buy from you know, before they ever pick up the phone or you know, walk into a store. Um, so how, here's my question on this. How do you think about content for each of those steps of the journey and and perhaps how do you get involved at the earliest point you know when they don't really even know what their problem is or they certainly aren't looking for you to solve it i mean well the first step to me is you you document a content strategy that uh, i think first puts you like the first step to me is familiarity so you can't very few sales sales happen if someone's not familiar with your brand your company or there's some credibility built around it so you have to make yourself familiar to them and a part of that is investing in yourself your own brand your company's brand so that you are out there as somewhat of a uh, a resource um in the industry so let me ex explain that a little more so for example with influence and co we made the investment starting out that there would be content coming from me um, at the same time as my co-founder and then also uh, different employees. And then we would also use that content to be to have on site with our blog and um, and on site content. And so for us, we've just simply said from the start is that we want to be familiar that people when they run into us, they're somewhat familiar with our brand. They've seen us educate before they've seen it in some way. And so. 
for me, it's one seeding the the landscape where people are consuming content with your own content first. That's the first step. Um, and so you, you've got to kind of you've got to have a strategy that does that. So map it out and say, where are the places that people are consuming content that I'm trying to reach? How do I inject that content into there in there? Or how do I draw them to my own properties so that they're paying attention? And so for me, that first step is the familiarity aspect. Then it's the nurturing, like how you kind of get them further drawn to you, um, where, you know, that's where a lot it depends on the marketing funnel. Uh, it could be in a email, you know, campaign, or it could be simply your on-site content um, in, an, in a newsletter that they opt into. And so, for so, what I would say is that the first step out of anything is getting credibility around you, your brand, so that when people are interacting with it, no matter what you do, they feel comfortable and there's trust there. Um, because no matter what marketing campaign you do, it could be pay-per-click, it could be paid ads. If you don't have some sort of trust and cre- credibility created where they want to engage their brand, you'll lose a lot of sales on the way. Well, so let's dive into that word because I was going to – I think that's probably the most important in this digital age we live in. Probably the most important behavior that we have to try to influence is is trust. So what are some of the ways that you are seeing people using content effectively to not fake um, anything but to build trust and engagement? Yeah, and that's where the first like uh, six, five, six chapters of the book is is focused around trust and how you create what I call trust touch points. Mm-hmm. That that should be everybody's goal with with a buyer or with any audience that's a stakeholder or important relationship to us. We're on this almost trust totem pole, I would say, is that um, or trust meter. And the more you have these touch points consistently, the more you go up in that trust meter. And ultimately, if you if you're able to as a brand, as a company, build it so you're at the, towards the top of that meter, you can sell, you can ask for you can ask for advocacy, you can do a lot of things. And so, there's a variety of things that um, build up that trust. So, for example, uh, with <laughs> as simple as this is, likability. That's one of the parts in the book where I talk about people trust people they like. It's very simple. I've gone up against so many companies that had either an equal or a service or or some sort of a product that is equal to what we could do for them. However, they really liked when we met them at an event or they liked our content um, that, where they felt connected to us. And um, it, it resulted in us winning that business, even if we were more expensive. And so uh, I'll give an example of recently I wrote a um, an article which I would classify as a fairly, uh, the goal of it was to present myself as a relatable leader um, and also be fairly transparent. And so I wrote an article about how pride had, I think, had hurt the the growth of our company in in different ways or how it can affect a leader's, um, a a company's through leadership pride. And what I meant by that is I wrote, it was an article in Fortune where I, I basically said that I myself struggled with getting feedback from people. I had struggled at a lot of, of things and I was very honest about it. And that article, several people reached out from either in our pipeline or had there was something that they were an important relationship for us. And they reached out and they said, really enjoyed this article, really related to it. Thank you. And so there's these different things we can do where, for example, likability is one in the content. Transparency is another helping others. Uh, There's a lot of times in an article I've. I write about other influencers and stakeholders in our industry. I've written about you before because it's somebody you're somebody I respect and like. And so th- that's just as simple as me trying to make an effort to help other leaders in our industry who are doing great things. And so there's all these different trust touch points 
it doesn't matter if you're writing for Fortune or in your own blog. If somebody sends me a link and says, hey, love what you were doing, um, wrote about you in this article, linked to one of your you know pieces, I'm like, thank you very much. And it creates this familiarity aspect. And so there's a variety of things that you can do there. Those are just a couple. And as I listen to you talk about that, and we always talk about how things have changed so much, uh, some of those principles you just outlined have have sort of universally been true, right? I mean, helping each other and uh, pointing to good, useful content and being likable. I mean, that's that's always been a winning formula. Yep. Content triggering is something that I always preach. And I say it if you hear me in any podcast, any spe- speech, I, I almost really, I, I mean, you'll hear it every time almost. And, and what I mean by content triggering is that it's, a, it's an exercise that helps you find out what is engaging to the people that matter most. And so what I think, uh, for example, I was at Collision this last week, and I was talking to several people that could be a customer, could be a partner, could be a publication relationship for us, and I just listened to them. And I asked them questions and say, oh, did you find this interesting? And what do you think about this topic? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's like I'd love to learn more. Like one of the examples I gave last year was I was talking to a few CMOs, and they were talking about how their, uh, their CFO – drives them nuts. This was a dinner where they were like, oh my God, my CFO drives me nuts. I'm like, really? So tell me about that. And they're like, well, one, he doesn't make an effort to understand, or he or she doesn't make an effort to understand marketing. They don't, and they don't do this. They don't do this. And it was, it was a complaint fest. And I just told him, I go, you know what, what I need to do is I need to help not just your, your CFO, but also you as well. And I said, you know, let me, let me, and I ran through the points with them. I, I took down notes and when I went home that night, I sent that off to my team and said, we need to develop some really good content around this because this is a challenge for them right now. And so we did a series around the relationship between the senior marketers and the person in charge of their finances and how you can um, increase and make that relationship or how you can make that relationship better. And we sent it out. We targeted CMOs and CFOs, sent it out to them. Uh, we did ads. We uh, sent out to different lists. And the results were really good. They came back and they were like, wow. This was something that helped us out. The, the people at the dinner said, I shared this with our CFO. We actually met up afterwards. We talked about it. And this really helped us. Now, that is, in my way, a very clear example of a content trigger that happened when I was you know, speaking to them. We took the notes down, and then we developed the content, which, which was exactly what they needed. And it was a way to help them. And so it was a great way. And we scaled that to more people because they had the same challenge. Yeah, and I've often talked about using content to, um, uh, you know, I wrote a book about referrals and I talk in there about using content as a way to generate referrals. And I think when you produce content like that, that is so useful, people want to share it. Yeah. And re- with referrals, uh, the, I mean, the idea the top of mind, um, the title of the book, it's one of the key things with our referrals that have boosted our referrals as a company. So if people like you, if they like what you're doing and they think that it can be valuable to other people... If you stay on top of their mind, they will connect the dots for you. It's as simple as that. And um, that's why it's so important to stay in front of them consistently because when they have a conversation, it happens all the time where the best people – like I I love advocating and helping people out. And when I'm speaking and somebody says, hey, I'm looking for a web designer. I'm like, great. I have three people that I need to connect you with. I I get excited. Like, John, you should see me. At Collision, there were several people – that were like, oh, I need help in this. And I go, oh my gosh, I, I was like a kid at a candy store, get excited, I'm immediately shooting interest because I love making connections. Now, our best partners that get the most value out of me are the people that stay in front of me and consistently engage me the same way that I try and preach and tell people to do uh, for others. And it's the number one reason you can get more referrals is if you stay in front of them consistently and they think of you at the right moment, 
you're going to, it's going to be extremely valuable. And you do that through content and engaging them at the right times and getting those trust touch points up there. Yeah, I think, you know, so many people feel like referrals happen when you do good work. And certainly that's one component, but uh, you're absolutely right. You've got to amplify that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very, that's a one way of looking at referrals. And I think that's, it limits you. Yeah. You you put yourself in a box and you say, oh, yeah, well, if I do good work, I'll get referrals. Well, yes, obviously you're going to do that. But that that happens where, like, if, if, like any agency, company, or service that says, I create phenomenal work every day and my, like, my client is just screaming from the rooftops how great I am, okay. that's just not the case. We get big wins for clients, let's say, once every three weeks or once every month or something. What happens more frequently is they're interacting with a variety of people on an everyday basis. Now, you, what you want to hit is not just when you do something good. Yeah, you certainly do want to do that. But you also want to basically uh, get into their um, mind so that you have a mini salesperson in them mm -hmm. and they don't even know it. Yeah. And because if you get the right people and you're in their long term memory as a good resource, then they're going to think of you when they're just having everyday conversations, not just when you do good work. Hey, thanks for listening to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. Um, are you an independent marketing consultant or an agency owner? You might want to check out the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. It is a growing group of independent marketing consultants and agencies that are partnering and collaborating and using the Duct Tape Marketing tools and really scaling their businesses. So check it out at Duct Tape marketingconsultant.com. One of the things I know you advocate for, and, and it's you know proven to be an effective uh, approach, but it's also scary for particularly, say, a CEO that's never gone down this path, this idea of being more transparent, this idea of being more human. <laughs> How do you get some of your clients to buy into that if they're resistant? Um, yeah, I mean, we deal with a lot. And I would say, like, we have clients that are starting out entrepreneurs, but we also have, like, some really big brand um, brand clients. And the brand clients, um, one, it's it's huge with it because they have this huge barrier because they're like, we have this brand that right. we just need to push out there. And audiences are wanting a human-to-human -human connection more than they ever did. And so when I, we're talking to a brand or a, a company, like, a lot of entrepreneurs get it. They're like, hey. I want to connect. They have this passion that's like, I want to connect with this audience and want them to, to to feel like we're good people, not just a company and that there's something behind there. And so like, obviously there's Southwest and some brands that really embrace it and do it well. Um, however, m many brands don't do it well at all. And the problem, the problem is, is that they just haven't, it hasn't clicked for them yet that in everyday communication, the way that, and there's, there's a couple of factors that have come in that have influenced this one generations have changed. Generation mm -hmm. Z um, does not say, I want to talk to brands all day. They want to talk to people. Mm -hmm. It's just something with the, the generations after us. In addition, there's so much content out there that a human connection is one of the differentiating factors. If they feel like they've connected with the people behind the content, um, then they, there's a stronger opportunity. There, there's a stronger chance that they're going to engage with you. And so an example of this would be uh, in the book, I gave an example of Tyler Farnsworth with Bolo. He ran that conference for a few years and he picked me as one of their keynote speakers and he went up and he goes, hey, I want to introduce John Hall. He's been on my mind this last year pretty much every week. And he actually said it in a really like creepy, fun way where it seemed like he was just dreaming about me every day. Um, and it was kind of funny. And I like I got out there, I got up there. And that's where I started talking a lot about top of mind is that I engaged it. Our company engaged him. So that he he was reading our blog con blog content, he was reading content from me, he was hearing me on podcasts and different things, and so he felt this connection. We hadn't talked in a year, 
And when it came down to pick a keynote, he goes, oh, I need to get Influence and Co., John Hall involved. And, and he thought of us. And when I went up and, and said what, and said hey to him, we like immediately like it was like a hug. Hey, it's good to see you. There was such a connection, a human to human connection. I, I, I hadn't talked to him in a year. And so I, I would say that there's so many different case studies and examples where the when people feel like there are there is actually meaning behind a brand. You can look at the um, most uh, there's a actually there's a study. It's called the uh, Brand Meaningful Index, and it looks at meaningful brands and it looks at their performance compared to the S&P and the meaningful mm-hmm. brands where there's there's connections from a human level to the brand and the people behind it perform substantially higher than the S&P 500. Yeah. And so it, it matters whether you're a big uh, a brand or you're you're a small company. People want to connect with the people behind the brand. Well, and it's so easy to do too. I know a lot of people think, oh, well, they've got all these resources and whatnot. You can, you know, I love it when I get a confirmation email from a company and it has a little bit of human touch. It's not just the default template. And so, I mean, there's so many little ways that you can do it. And I think we're also used to getting just the default approach that. Uh, you can make a, a, a huge impact, I think, by just having somebody kind of go, hey, that was different. Yeah, and that's where w- what happened is, that you, and you've been through this. I mean, you've been, you've been in marketing for uh, for a while, and you've seen w- how we went through the stage of, hey, let's scale this, and let's right. make everything on, automatic, <laughs> where in reality, then everybody goes to being automatic, and you don't differentiate yourself. Yep. And uh, so the the uh, what I in the book there's a very there's a ton of clear examples of personalization, and people do it at scale. Like a lot of times people are like, well, you can't per, you know you can't personalize things and you can't do it at scale. You absolutely can. Disney is the best example of personalizing at scale when they invested um, money in their wristbands. Where my daughter walks into Disney and she says, oh my gosh, did you know that Mickey knew my name? And I was like, no, I saw that. I mean, I didn't tell this to her. She's three years old, but I, I saw Mickey scan your wristband and then, or Minnie scan your wristband. Then it went to Mickey. Mickey goes up and says, "Hey, Adeline Hall, how are you doing?" <laughs> and like that is the brilliance behind some, you know, some of this community. That's communication. That's content in a way. Yep. And um, I, I look at it and like I simply, if you read the book, you'll get some ideas of this. Like one, I talk about how every um, holiday. I, I send about two or 3,000 emails out to people that are in my network, and it just says, hey, I hope you're having a great time with either family or friends or people that matter to you. Um, look forward to working together or doing something or looking forward to ch- uh, you know our next chat or something like that. Um, and then I'll make sure – like so it's, it's a templated email. However, I'll add one sentence that, that my goal with it is to make them know that I identified them and not someone else. So, like, for example, I'll say I'll template it, template it, template it, and then I'll just put in here I'll, I'll, I, and I'll I, I use Mixmax and I just use one like an Excel spreadsheet. I have their name and I just say, hope things are going, you know, hope it's not too cold in Chicago. Then go to the next one. Um, hope things are going well with Skycatch or whatever company, um, you know, it could be. And I just add these little things to it. It inputs it in there. And then I send all those emails out and everybody, like I would say my, I think my acceptance rate when I did the numbers, um, a responsive, it was like 80 or 90%. Mm. And everybody got back and they look and it helped a personal connection because I wasn't emailing them about work. I just simply wanted to personally them to know that I was thinking about them during the holidays and almost everybody got back and was like, wow, thank you. Like, I appreciate this. 
And it's hilarious. A lot of them would say, hey, by the way, I've been meaning to talk to you. Right. We, we're going to need your service starting in, in January. And I'm like, well, I didn't say anything about that, but you connected the dots yourself. So there's a variety of things that you can do to scale personalization and make somebody feel uh, special. But ultimately, it comes down to differentiating yourself from others. And there's a lot of trust touch points like that that you can do to, to connect with them. John, tell people where they can find out more. I know we can get the book anywhere books are sold, um, but uh, where can they find out more about Influence and Co? Great. I mean, really, the site, um, you can just go directly to the site, influenceandco.com. Um, we're pretty easily findable. I mean, we, we try to make ourselves as approachable and educate. Like, we believe in thought leadership. We are a leading thought leadership company. We believe in education. So if you think we can help out, just go to our contact form or the site, um, and say, hey, um, you know, would love to learn more, or this is where I need help with. Uh, with the book uh, in particular, if you buy the book in there, there's an email and resource library at the back of it that tells you all the different tools, all the things that we use or I've used. Um, and then also it has an email in there that will direct you to, I have a team and myself that will respond to it. And because one of the big chapters is about helpfulness. And so I wanted to back that up. So I have a personal email. I see every single one of them. Um, if it's something my team can answer, then they obviously answer. But I would say right now I'm answering probably 50% of them. And so, um, you know, you try one of those ways. If, uh, but I would say either going to the website, um, Influence Co. in a contact form, but pay attention to our content. You know, we, we practice what we preach. And so, um, you know, go to our blog, go to um, my Forbes or Ink Column or one of the other places I contribute and, and pay attention. And hopefully I can be helpful. Awesome. Speaking with John Hall, CEO of Influence & Co. and author of Top of Mind. So, John, uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get a beer in Kansas City before too long. I really do look forward to it. You're always a, a helpful and good guy, so I look forward to our next catch-up. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I wonder if you could do me a favor. Could you leave an honest review on iTunes? Your ratings and reviews really help, and I promise I read each and every one. Thanks.